Greetings, my name is Mike Grain. Welcome to another University of Arkansas Supply Chain Management Research Council. Today we are joined by Elena from NEDAP. She is a operations manager, director inside of NEDAP. She spends a lot of time working with retailers on RFID implementations and is really successful at trying to explain some of the best practices to make RFID work inside a retail organization. Let's join our podcast in progress. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be uh, this fine day. Today, it's uh, one o'clock central time on Good Friday, and uh, I've got the pleasure of uh, having Elena from NEDEP join us. Uh, we're laughing a little bit ago because uh, I told her that we wanted to jump on the call about 15 minutes early, and I gave her a time of, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump on at 12.45? And she said, why would I drop jump on an hour and 15 minutes early? I forgot she was on the on the East Coast. So, Elena, uh, with NEDEP, would you uh, please unmute and just kind of introduce yourself to, to our audience? So, um, I've been with NEDEP for um, just four years now, a couple weeks ago. Um, I... Started uh, here as the operations manager uh, on the EAS side, and a couple of years ago, um, took on the software side. So the inventory management group uh, rolled under me. So um, it's been, I've been able to hit both sides of our house. So um, really exciting. And, you know, it's been, it's been really like, the best place to work, I have to say. Really unusual place. So NEDAP is a global company. Uh, we're headquartered out of the Netherlands and um, we're a technology company um, with a few different business units um, that all focus on, we like to say, a technology for life, making people's lives uh, better. And like I said, I'm in the retail space. So for us, it's the EAS side as well as inventory management and um, yeah, it's just, it's a really special, really special company, really different organization than um, your typical uh, U.S. or North American uh, company. So it's been a great experience and uh, I've really loved it. So the company is located in the Netherlands. You're you're located on the East Coast, right? The Boston Yeah. Area? Yeah, so we're um so we're global. So we have offices all over the globe. Um, and I'm uh, located in Boston. Um, out of our Boston, uh, U.S. headquarters. And um, like, yeah, we're located, um, the actual HQ is in um, the Netherlands. It's in, we actually just had the CEO here yesterday and uh, he was practicing with me how to say, I say Hunlo, but it's, you're supposed to roll that GNR and very bad at it. But uh, they're located um, a few hours from Amsterdam, so. So did you learn how to do it? You want to give us a demonstration I, uh, in front of everybody and, and he'll probably uh, see this podcast I, and see how uh, well you learned. My boss is probably like, come on, you can say it. It's Hulu. <laughs> you have to like, oh, and I just can't do that throaty thing. But uh, uh, but that's okay. They they let me they let me take a pass. And uh, he when I said, um, I said, oh, I'm coming to Hunlo next week. And he was like, where? And I'm like, oh. And he's like, ah. And then yesterday, all day, he was like, where are you going? And I'm like, okay, let's try it again. So, anyway, he will, that's he where will, I'm going. He will greet you at the door and say, where are you now? Exactly. That's exactly what he'll do. That's exactly, actually, he probably really will do that, which is another one of those things that makes it a really special company. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's it terrific. Is, it's a great place. That's right. 
Well, you know, we 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 make some fun of sometimes, and and I know this is not part of the the podcast, but you know, people say you spend a third of your life sleeping, you spend a third of your life doing, you know, spend time with family and friends, et cetera, and you spend a third of your time time in your life working. And mm-hmm. so I've I've spent a lot of time with people who are just miserable at their jobs, and I go, it's a third of your life. Go find something that you love to do and get somebody to pay for. It. Well, I can't leave. Yeah, you can go go figure out where you really f- feel like you're having a lot of fun, and then uh, do that for a work. I think it's a, a much more rewarding thing. You know, um, uh, my father-in-law, we, my family owned uh, my husband's family, well, and mine, but my husband's family owned a business, um, a retail store, actually. And um, my father-in-law used to say to my kids, um, "Do something for money, and you'll you'll just never be happy. Mm. Find something you love, and." you will make money and you will be good at it and you will have happiness. And, um, it really, it really stuck with me because he truly, he worked until six months before he died at 86 years old because he truly loved what he did. And the thing about my coming to NADAP was obviously, you know, I had 20 years or so, whatever of a career before that and never worked at any place. that was awful, but just, it was, this place is different. It's a different culture. They talk about it. And when I interview people and I try, you know, and I'm like bringing them on, they're like, well, tell me about the company. And I'm like, it's really special. It's a family. Um, Mm. They care about you. You know, we obviously care about making money, right? It's a company, but that's not the number one goal. And it truly is um, a place where you can, you can you can do what you love and um everybody's respected and everybody's equal it's just it's a really special organization that until you get here you don't get it and then once you get here people look at me and go oh now i get it now i get it and uh yeah i've just it's really been it's been a great 4 years and uh people here have worked here for 25 30 40 years it's just like Hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> it's truly you, you, you love it. So um, it's a great organization. Okay, for all of the attendees, go ahead and send your resume to www.100%. You know, honestly, honestly, if you're looking, if you're looking for a for a great place to be, uh, NADAP is it. So wow, um, yeah, wow. I, I, that's I love I love it. So I'm oh, obviously biased. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and transition into our topic. And and uh, I, I really enjoy the topic of on shelf availability. Um, and the reason I like it is every one of us are an industry professional focused on on shelf availability. You happen to be part of a company that I think provides an incredible platform in uh, software to be able to sh- expose on hands and make sure people know what they have and know where it's located, et cetera. But here's always the other interesting thing. We all take our work hack off and we put our customer hat on and we go shopping, right? And so one of the questions that I love to ask people, and and I've done this for almost a year now, and it's just amazing some of the stories because nobody nobody has a unique story like the the person who was last time, which is, tell me about a time where you as a customer, not as a business professional, as a customer, wanted to go and get a product that you thought they had in stock in store, you went to that store and you were disappointed. I'm sure you have one of those examples. Well, yeah, like you said, I have many. I actually think this is really funny because this literally just happened. So um, yes, I am a shopper, but um, 
So my husband retired a couple years ago. So he's officially become the the shopper in our house. So basically I'm like, today, can you, can you go to the store? Can you go to the cleaners? Can you pick up this? Can you pick up that? And um I um and by the way, be careful because I'm looking at the audience. And uh, if your husband's name is Edward, he's <laughs> he's stalking you at work. Just so you know. <laughs> he, he could be. He um oh, he, he is. So, uh, he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I said to him a couple of weeks ago, I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? I need you to go to this particular store. I've checked online. I need you to pick me up lip liner. And so for all of your listeners who aren't, you know, wearing lip liner, it's a very important thing for some yep. of us. So yeah. I said, can you do me a favor? Can you go? Can you pick it up? And he was like, oh Lord, like, what am I getting? I, I said, I'm going to send you a picture. I'm going to send you the name. It's fine. I already checked. They've got it. Just buzz in. The, it, you'll just right there, pick it up. So he goes, they don't have it. He leaves, comes home. They don't have it. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay, fine. So couple of days later, I'm like, I'll go, I'll look. So I go and they didn't have it again. So a couple of days later, I said to him, hey, can you do me a favor? I looked, I swear, other store, they have it. Just go, please. I know they have it. Okay. He goes in, they don't have it. He says to the sales associate, um, this is the second time in here. Do you have this? And she's like, oh, no, we're out of stock. Sorry. And he's like, okay. And she's like, well, you can, you can buy this. It's, it's the same. So mm -hmm. he buys it. He brings it home. I come home from work. It's sitting on the table. I said, what is this? He said, that's the stuff you asked for. They didn't have the one you wanted, but the lady says that's the same. I said, okay, two things. Number one, no, this is not the same. Um, and two, like now I'm totally irritated. Like it's been three trips and I'm just going to go online and have it shipped and it'll be here when it gets here. And um, so, yeah, so that was my little frustrating thing. And I was, and he was funny because he's like, do they not have the thing that you do? Like, why is it that I'm like, I I'm like, yes, yes, that is a very good, uh, I need to call this retailer. Actually, I need one of our salespeople to call this retailer because Ned doesn't want to go through this ever again. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. very and, important. And and by the way, we, we use that example oftentimes as a real good example, whether it's printer cartridges from your printer or hair color, you know, I've got a specific hair color I'm looking for, or lipstick and cosmetics. Yep. Cosmetics is a huge opportunity. They're a little bit more difficult to tag, but we'll it's get into some of that yeah. later. But bottom line is that's a, that's an industry that screams for on-hand accuracy and and making sure you got the product available for a customer because customers won't switch. I mean, you're, you're a good example. What is this? This is not what I asked for. Go bring it's it back. the same. And I'm like, it is just no, you, you just don't get it. This isn't the same. And yeah. And I'm sure she was the salesperson was like, here, just buy this and go away. <laughs> um, and he was more than happy to go away. Let me tell you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but honestly, like I was annoyed. I was, I was really annoyed, but you're right. It's a, it's a really difficult industry, but one that, uh, could use some help. <laughs> Yeah. Ghost, <laughs> ghost inventory about lipsticks, I'm sure is a very big problem. Yeah, for sure. Uh, All right. Well, that's a, that's a good example. Well, that's a good segue into, okay, why should that particular retailer implement RFID and specifically uh, the NEDAP solution? Because I think you guys tell us a little bit about NEDAP and tell us kind of what kind of services you provide to the industry. So um, particularly on uh, you know, the SaaS solution, so inventory management really giving the retailer as well as the customer, right? Because when you're giving the retailer um, visibility into their entire ecosystem, right? Uh, you're, you're giving that 
to the customer as well. So um, our solution allows a retailer to understand where within the ecosystem product is so that they have the right stock at the right time. It doesn't help anybody to have, you know, a hundred bathing suits sitting in the back room in January, you know, taking up space, right? Like you don't need that right now. It's January, like where are coats? Like, and do we have the right product available at the right time? So our solution allows for that. Our solution also, I think one of the things that makes our solution um, really special is the interface is the ease of ease of use it's um it's an easy solution for the store associates them that tends to be a lot of the feedback that we get from the folks um you know actually using the product day to day so forget leadership forget stakeholders just the you know the folks at the store level and a lot of times you know i'm not the person that obviously goes into the store it's the sales folks but they'll come back and they'll tell stories of how the salespeople were like, can we keep this? We don't have to give it back today. Do we like, wait, no, when are we getting it? Um, Cause it does, it makes life really easy. And anybody who's ever, I'm probably very much dating myself, but you know, those physical inventories where, you know, I worked at this store, it was called Cherry Web and Terrain when I was probably like 20. And they would uh, talk about how amazing and fun the inventory was, and you were like going to be in the store all night and it'd be super cool. And we're going to order pizza. Well, by one in the morning, you're like, this is not cool. This is not fun. And I'm sick of counting these stupid (laughs) t-shirts. So our, our product is um, just changes that whole landscape, makes it easier for everybody. Yeah. Every time I've been involved with that, I've just about finished that one rack or that one set of shelves. And somebody says, excuse me, I have a question. And I answer the question. I come back and I know where was I? Oh my gosh, I got to start all over again. So yeah. It's I, I learned to literally put I learned to put a card in between. Okay, let, hang on one second. I'll put a card there now. What's your question? Now I come back because I didn't want to ever do that again. But yeah, and don't yeah. touch, don't touch this whole like don't no, you can't buy it, you can't touch it. <laughs> just don't breathe. Don't worry, it's all done. Aren't you a, aren't you a store? And aren't I supposed to buy stuff here? No, no, You're just kidding. go away. Well, that's why we'll get into some of the best practices because that's really what I want to spend some time talking to you. But because there's, you know, RFID in retail has been around for a while. It's been a great right. solution, a, a huge enabler in terms of letting people know exactly what they have and exactly where it's located, whether it's in the back room or sales floor. But but the big part of this, uh, from my perspective, is okay. Well, how do you use this thing, and what what are the things that you w- really want to watch out for? Is I engage with retailers that well, you've been doing this for twenty years. Come tell us how to do it. I said I'm not going to tell you how to do it necessarily, but I'm going to tell you the fifteen potholes that I have stepped in in the past that you don't want to step in again because that I think is sometimes helpful. But we'll get into some of that here in a little bit. So tell me, tell us a little bit about RFID re- in retail. Obviously. The one retailer who who uh, had your lips, lipstick definitely needs to adopt it. But who are the retailers that are really taking advantage of this? That uh, from you guys' perspective, and and where do you see some of the growth coming from? So, um, gee, the retailers who are t- so um, we we do have a, a number of fashion retailers that um, that we work with that are using they're using our solution. Uh, 
I'm sitting here over here going like, can I name drop? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Let's, so let's, let's not just to be safe. Yeah, yeah, I but, agree. But the, I agree. but the, but the type of, re- yeah, I'm thinking more of the type of retailers. Type is, of it, retailers. is it apparel? Is it automotive? You know, where, so, where are you seeing the, where are you seeing the adoption uh, curve kind of heading? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's for us, it's really fashion. It's really the apparel industry. Um, that's taken advantage of it. And it's probably where there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, Um, not just, so it's about, there's just so much data, right? I think that data has become like the hot word of like the last probably five years, like, okay, you're collecting all this data, what are you going to do with it? Um, And that is RFID, right? It's allowing you to know where where within your ecosystem that particular item has been. And um, that's that's an incredible, um, like that gives a million use cases. Um, so for, for us, it's now beyond just a physical count, being able to count what you've got in the store. So that was the great thing. That was like the amazing like you know ah moment like okay this is gonna it's gonna save our sales associates a tremendous amount of time it's um it's gonna give us visibility into what we have so that our retail our customers come in um but like what are the next steps that we can do that can we uh with you know refill um refilling from the stock room to the floor refilling from off-site to the store to the back room um the whole DC supply chain is probably the next huge horizon of how this can really help folks in the next probably, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, so yeah, so that's definitely where it's going along with just, again, like there's just so many use cases. Did we ever have this item in our, in our ecosystem? People come and, you know, a lot of retailers have this, um, easy return policy, right? You know, hey, just show up. It's okay if you don't have a receipt kind of deal. Well, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bad actors out there and RFID and that data enable you to say, I'm sorry, but I don't think this was ever sold in our store because it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Or at least could you show me your receipt? Well, I don't have one. Well, I'm sorry. Nine times out of 10, you'd be happy to take that back without a receipt. For you, it's a, no, we really need the receipt. Sorry about that. Exactly. I think there's there's a watch out from accusing customers of doing something you can't necessarily prove, just saying, I really need to have the receipt before you do that. And so- Um, and there, there have been there have been situations where I have literally seen people take product out the back of the store, walk around the store, come back in and go, I'm returning this. And they they try and get away with it for sure for sure. It does happen, right? Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's quite amazing, quite brazen. But um, but yeah, but it happens. And you know, if you're the retailer, um, you know, you just you know, like I said, like our family had a retail store and um, it was always like pretty much always my husband, my father-in-law would just say, you know what, take it back, take it back. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Take it back. I know we don't sell it. I know we probably have never sold it. And he had, there was no RFID, right? There was none of that. It, But it was just, it was good business. It was good practice because at the end of the day, you don't know that is a potential customer right? You don't want to annoy them. And worse than annoying them is them getting annoyed and then telling two friends and telling two friends. And so now suddenly 
this one item that was 20 bucks that you could have just gone, yeah, fine here, whatever, um, is cost you, you know, that. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's transition a little bit into best practices because that's something I'm pretty passionate about. And I know you are as well. I think that's your kind of key role. Uh, from an operations standpoint at NEDAP is basically making sure that our customers are successful because we're going to do best practices. And and let me categorize this a little bit. Let's talk about first off, if RFID consists of a tag and a reader, let's just talk about the tag first. So if you are going to go and walk through with one of your customers, hey, tagging, what types of tags should you use? What kind of standards should you look at? Um, do we tag it in the store? Do we tag it in the DC? Do we tag it upstream in the supply chain? Just walk us through any kind of a, a best practices that you have you've come across to, in terms of your your experience doing this. Okay, so yeah, so like you said, um, so I, you know, operations is the group that you know I kind of uh, manage, if you will, and um, in terms of the the um, the tags, we so we need app. We don't do tagging. That's not our. That's not our thing. We have amazing partners that that do that stuff for us. So, the first thing we do, though, in terms of like a kind of a kickoff, um, looking at what do you have if you're start if you're brand new and you're starting. Okay, um, it's it's optimal, I think, if you're starting at the DC level. So, if you can give yourself that. I think the general rule of thumb is about six months or so to kind of cycle through. So if you start tagging your product in the DC and start getting that product into the store, and then you start having that um, that changeover with what isn't tagged to what is tagged, um, that's generally we just we're doing an implementation now with a retailer, and that was what they did. They <clears throat> they spent about six months kind of starting in the DC and going through it to kind of get all of that product out, and it it was probably it was hugely hugely helpful it it makes more sense um years ago it used to be like what we would call a tagging party so you pick a few stores your kickoff stores which is still i think maybe depending on the size of your retailer or depending upon you know um what your systems are in the dc what your practices are within the dc you might want to do that have a tagging party where you literally are tagging, you know, a couple of stores at a time. And to me, that, that sounds as terrible as a physical inventory. <laughs> now, to be honest, it's worse. <laughs> it, it's worse. And I think like, it's just, I think that's a, that opens up your can of human error. Right. And um, I, obviously we're using a technology. Um, we want to rely on the technology. So why would we go ahead and introduce something that could with, you know, all of this potential human mistakes. So I think starting the tagging in the DC, going through it that way, getting everything properly tagged, and then starting your, okay. And then while you're doing that, you're starting your big kickoff plan. How are we going to do this? Understanding your roadmap and that sort of thing. Okay. So some of the big retailers out there, and I'll just name a few of them because they've gone pretty public, Walmart and Nordstrom's and and folks like that are asking for suppliers to tag it at source. So when it comes yeah. off the manufacturing line, put the tag on there. So that's coming into the distribution centers. Is that something that you would support as well? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I just think that from what, so it, for us, generally a lot of the closed loop retailers, they, 
it's just an easier, it's an easier start with RFID, right? It's your product, you make it and that kind of thing. You yep. make it, you can tag it, you have control over it. So that's great. Um, for the bigger chains like the Nordstrom's, the Walmart's that are, you know, getting in all sorts of vendors, suppliers, it does become more tricky. Um, so, but I do think that the future is RFID, the future is in the data. So it, it just doesn't make any sense for retailers not to be doing it. And I, I do, like you mentioned, I do know that Nordstrom's is like, I don't know if it's a requirement or if it's just highly encouraged at this point, but you know, um, you can tell that's, that's where they're headed. And yeah, yeah we would 100%. It just makes, it makes our job once we come in so much easier. Yeah, there's there's obviously pros and cons. Let me tell you the the con, the con of that. The con of that is from the time. Let's just say a major retailer has five thousand suppliers that they deal with, mm-hmm. and those suppliers are making a total of forty thousand items. That means each one of those items have to be tagged, tagged correctly, et cetera. And the amount of lead time you have to provide those suppliers to make sure they're choosing the right tag. We we recommend the Auburn Arc Spec to make sure that their GS1 encoded correctly, to make sure all these other kind of things, and they're doing it consistently, that once they start tagging or have a tag product come into the store, it can't stop. Otherwise, you're going to have the same kind of problems. That does take a long time. That could take up to a year before the time you communicate till stuff comes in tagged. So the DC tagging is not a bad option, but I think directionally, most people are saying tag it at source, because of what you said, which is the supply chain benefits of knowing it just left that manufacturer and it's on the way here and taking advantage of that, right? Yeah, 100%. And yeah, you're right. The lead time, the lead time in retail anyway is, you know, it's a year and a half, two years at least, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and that's the that's the whole thing about, about RFID and about implementing our solution, Um is and when we hire new people, like this is part of the conversation with them. They're like, "Oh my gosh, why doesn't everybody just?" It's like because it's this isn't just turning on a dime, right? This is a submarine. This is like mm-hmm. slowly. It's it's not just about um, you know, hey, this is a great, this is great, this is going to bring us huge benefits. It's going to be a benefit to our customers. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, it's going to take a year, a year and a half. It's a long process um especially to do it right it's a long process yeah do you know of any manufacturer out there that doesn't put a upc barcode on their product these days yeah yeah no well that's where it's going right eventually and and i think it's bigger than apparel because you see people like dick sporting goods getting involved you see electronics companies being involved you have a big retailer like walmart who's basically looking for lots of general merchandise to be tagged it's eventually going to be the new UPC for some. Ca- I don't think it'll be for all categories. I think there's certain categories. Like, I don't see the day we'll ever put an RFID tag on a watermelon. I just don't see it happening. But no. for a lot of the categories that make sense, that will become the new UPC. So I think the, the retailers who are asking for that are trying to set a precedent that says, we're going to have one way of doing this. It's going to be the new UPC uh, for these kind of product yep. categories. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and Jonathan Aiken from uh, Avery Dennis just texted me and says, if you make it optional, it'll become like the metric system versus the U.S. system, and we'll have these two kind of things that we have to fight back and forth. Well, I hope you enjoyed that part one of our discussion with Elena at NEDAP. 
Join us next time as we get back together to finish up and wrap up our conversation uh, with uh, part two of our discussion with Elena. See you then.